Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today... Today is Thursday, so it's a stabby. But mm-hmm. we're doing mm-hmm. something. Actually, I want to say this: stabbies were originated in us talking about a show. So this is really more like like when we very first started this format. Mm. Yes, when we decided we were going to try two episodes a week. You're right. It was the With act. The act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun times. I know. We're going to be talking about a documentary. We've already done an episode on this topic episodes question mark i think too yeah yeah like in 2020 or something Mm -hmm. i'll put it in the show notes i feel like (laughs) during that time we were like this is a big topic let's make seven episodes out of it (laughs) i mean there's a lot to the waco case if you don't know anything about it or you need a refresher definitely go listen to it because i remember we did a lot on like his fucking background and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. It was funny because as I was watching this, it was like flooding back into my brain. I was like, oh, holy fuck. <laughs> and I feel like because we did a lot of research on like David Koresh himself mm-hmm. and everything, like I missed like a lot of the big things. Like I knew they had 50 caliber guns, but like mm-hmm. I didn't realize they had like a sniper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of, lot of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't watched, or if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the other Waco mm-hmm. episodes. Like Tara said, she linked them. And this is going to be a recap of the, like, it came out literally, like, March 22nd and mm-hmm. immediately started to assault my Netflix. Was like, watch this. <laughs> you love crazy cult things. Watch this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Netflix, you're not wrong. You know me so well. For real. <laughs> so just, like, a quick summary if you don't know anything about Waco. Mm-hmm. Waco happened in February of 1993 to like April of 1993, basically Mount Carmel, which was this kind of like religious community that lived in Waco, Texas, or like on the outskirts. They basically had a really interesting fundamentalist style of Christianity, which put a man as their messiah, and that man's name was David Koresh. And Mm. everyone lived there, and they lived very happy, according to them. Some of them. (laughs) Some of them. And some happier than others, for sure. Mm. I feel like David was out there living his life to the fullest in his mind. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, you're being you're being like very like nice and PC about this. It was a cult and <laughs> It was a he, cult. He basically thought he was Jesus. So Oh, yeah, yeah it's not basically like dude was like <laughs> I am God. Like he literally told He says ATF it at the end agents, of the episode. Yes. <laughs> he literally tells the FBI and ATF, "I am I'm God." Not I'm Jesus, but I am God. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, oh, by the way, this is a three-part this is going to be a three-part series because there are three episodes. Mm-hmm. This one is called mm-hmm. In the Beginning. And this kind of takes you through the timeline of of the day. I think it's mm-hmm. like February, what, 28th? 28th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically, what I found interesting about this one is they had more survivors of Waco in yes. this one. And I, like, in the past, I've heard some ATF agents talk and things like that. But there were, mm-hmm. like... There were at least three Davidians, Branch Davidians, so which is mm-hmm. which is what they call themselves, mm-hmm. Branch Davidians. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. Before getting into therapy, communication was a really hard thing for me, even with a therapist who's not going to judge you, who's just there to help you and help you work on yourself. I was a very closed off person, but as I've been on my journey with therapy, I have learned tons of positive coping skills. I've gotten better with working on my boundaries and also my communication skills, not only with my therapist, but with those in my life as well. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash spooked girls today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash spooked girls. Oh, Kathy. <laughs> oh my God. Is it? Okay. Uh, Answer this question. Are her eyes black? I don't know. Like when I, I watch remember. her, it's like either the way they've lit her. But she uh-huh. she either has real dark brown eyes and they should yeah, have probably lit her face up a bit more. Yeah. But she just looks like they intentionally were like, oh, you know, be really cute. Let's just make her look evil. Just straight black eyes. I mean, that's I mean, that's how production crazy. goes. That I mean, well, I'm going to say that, you know, <laughs> whether whether you agree. OK, the thing is. Every single documentary you watch is trying to push one narrative or the other, whether that's like the correct narrative or the not so accurate narrative. <laughs> so I'm I, I'm not surprised. Not saying either way with this one, but I'm just saying like I'm not surprised they did that for s- certain reasons. We will later talk about probably. <laughs> yes. So Kathy's in it. Heather Jones is the first person to speak. <gasps> she was a nine-year-old girl when Waco happened and her dad is actually the postman who like, cause basically what it is, is there's a reporter by the name of John Macmar. I think that's how you say his name. He was a reporter for, Mm -hmm. yeah, for KWTX. And he had gotten a call from his cameraman, Dan, and was like, Hey, we're going to go, 
there's something hat going down at something's going down at the Branch Davidian. And John was like, I didn't even know this place existed. <laughs> he's like, what is that? <laughs> he's like, oh, cool. Like, Dan was like, what are you doing today? And he's like, it was Sunday, so I'm going to church. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Guess again. <laughs> some, like, I'll be honest, like, they're not meaning to be, but, like, some of, like, the ATF agents and, like, the FBI agents and John, they just say things and you're like, that's really kind of funny. And you're like, oh, no, it's really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so they go out and they have another photographer that they're, like, bringing with them. And his name is John Peeler. And he or Jim Peeler, he actually gets mm-hmm. lost on the way out there. And Jim is on, like, the radio with John and Dan, like, where are you guys? I can't find this place. I can't find the turn. They're from Texas. I'm really sorry. That was really bad. I don't know where <laughs> my fine. little, like, weird twin <laughs> came in. He's like, oh, I see someone. And he flags down a postman. And the postman is David Jones, who is the father of Heather Jones. And mm-hmm. David Jones is one of Koresh's buddies. Peeps. Yup. Mm. So they He's come back. He's who goes and warns them. <laughs> He's like, hey, by the way, they're coming. Yeah. There was a man by the name of Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And he was an undercover with the Branch Davidians. Like, he was mm-hmm. there. And so, like, he's talking to Crush about it. And then he's like, I got to leave, right? And yeah. generally with cults, when somebody tries to leave, they're killed. Right. And Crush just let him go. Yeah. And I was like, is this one of those cults where people can actually leave if they want to? Uh, I can't remember. I wanted to refresh on this, but I didn't have the time. But, like, I feel like there was a couple, like, narratives with that. There was one where it's like they were suspecting somebody was obviously an undercover. Mm-hmm. And then they thought it was maybe him. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, I think he was one. Of, I remember we talked about it because I think we had done Jonestown close to right. it. And we're like, this is so weird. Because Jim Jones was not letting nobody leave. Right. Without drinking the Flavor Aid. So I can't remember if they talk about it. I think it's in the next episode they talk about how Koresh Mm -hmm. basically like annulled everyone's marriages. And then (laughs) Heather's mom left. Right. Mm -hmm. Because she was like, I ain't fucking Koresh. Like that was literally her thing. Yeah. And she left. And so I kind of feel like people could come and go as they please. Mm hmm. David Jones, he's out there and intercepts this like happening because of the fact that he has a job. And most times they don't allow people to have jobs Mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. So that's I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. The thing that kind of blew my mind is I know that I know that on like some level I conceptualize that ATF knew ATF stands for the alcohol, tobacco and firearms. Mm -hmm. They're very, very specific niche part of the government and law enforcement yeah. mm-hmm. and there's a there's a man by the name of bill Buford or buford he was one of the agents there on the day of waco mm-hmm. and when they say how like robert comes out and then like goes and tells them because they basically post up like a half mile away at this farmhouse and robert mm-hmm. comes in and is like hey just to let you know they know right and the atf agents are like Okay, like now let's not do this. And their commanding officers are the ones who are like, no, you're still going in. And that the agents, as they're like rolling towards Mount Carmel, they they knew it was gonna be bad. They knew it was gonna be fucking bad. Yeah, and and whatnot. And it, it was interesting because there was 
There's a man that is in this documentary by the name of David Trudeau. Trudeau. There we go. His name is David Trudeau. And he was a Branch Davidian and he came to basically like Koresh and Snyder, Stephen Snyder or Schroeder, found this guy, David, in like a guitar center in L.A. Mm -hmm. And we're Mm -hmm. like, come with us. And you have to think like the way David tells the interaction, it didn't seem like Steve and David spent a lot of time with him. Mm -mm. It was like a very minimal thing. And then they basically convinced him to like pack up. And move to like, oh Texas. yeah, oh yeah. He did that with a good number of people because at that point, that's when he was like still super. And I mean, I think he was into music like his whole life or whatever. But that's when he was like definitely super into it. So he's like, oh, let me connect with these people on this passion of music level, and then I'll get their trust. And then, oop, let's go to Texas. And the thing with cult leaders is they're, they're very smart. good. They're smart. <laughs> But they're very good at looking at a person and assessing their Mm -hmm. level of, and I don't want to say neediness, but like vulnerability. Right. They can read people very well. They they find someone who is lacking something in their life. I kind of equate it to this. Like they talk about like cravings, right? Like if I'm craving ice cream, I might need calcium because my body gets calcium through ice cream. (laughs) That makes me sound like I'm I'm not a great eater. Not a great eater, but (laughs) I'm just saying. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what they talk about. And that's what, like, essentially what cult leaders do is that mm-hmm. they just look at somebody and realize that they're miss that person's missing something in their life and they offer a filler. It's not always the correct filler. Right. So it's interesting to me because of the fact that the people who were here truly, and I guess this is with all cults, all cults truly believe that their cause is the greatest cause on the planet. That everything that they are standing for is correct and everyone else is wrong. And they believe it in the extreme form. Mm-hmm. And like this, this group was so felt this way so much that they heavily armed themselves. Because that's why ATF is going in. It's not because it, they were a cult. I think, honest to God, if, if David Koresh had never bought any guns or ammunition or any of that shit, they probably would be a thriving cult still. Probably. Because they seem to like all they they had jobs. They weren't living off the government in any way. They were just out there being extreme worshiper. I mean, I think eventually David Koresh would have been because he was doing shit with kids. But yeah, I don't think that like the the attention that they got because, you know, Robert, Mm -hmm. when he was there, he like did inventory and found out that they had one point six million pieces of ammunition. That's not guns. That's the ammo that goes in the fucking guns. That's so fucking, like, that is so crazy. And that includes MR-16s, 60, sorry. They had AK, <laughs> AK, they had all the AKs, they had all the ARs, they had, they had hand, homemade hand grenades. They were basically, like, a small country has probably less ammunition than the, than the Branch mm-hmm. Davidians did. And, and that's I want to say this. <laughs> the government didn't go in because of their religious beliefs. The government went no. in because they were like, at any point in time, if the Branch Davidians decide to march on Texas, they could take Texas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They had, I believe, at least one, if not multiple, 50 caliber guns. They just had like all the fucking things. That was like way too much. <laughs> right. And they taught their kids like Heather is nine. And this is happening. <gasps> oh my gosh, so you think yeah. about it like. She's nine and she's been taught how to properly use this gun. 
that they know and that David Koresh's prof, I mean, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, his big thing is, is like, we have to arm ourselves because during the apocalypse, the U.S. government is going to come against us because of this. So we have to arm ourselves. And the U.S. government came against them because of the fact that they were arming themselves. Mm -hmm. It was like, you're trying to like stop A from happening, but you actually create A. Exactly. So this particular documentary is interesting because there's they actually have a lot of the never before seen footage. Like I've seen the news clips and things like that, but mm-hmm. there is like actual like so much more the helicopter views. I don't think I've ever seen those before. Mm-mm. It's interesting because like at one point John is talking about how they were like call an ambulance so to like run back to his truck. Yeah, and then like you realize that he's talking over this, and then you just see him in the camera. Run- I was like, oh, he's running. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, he, I was like, no shit. When he was like, and then I realized staying in the vehicle is probably the best idea. I'm like, no fucking shit. Because he's like, every time I open the door, they're like, bullets whizzed past. I was like, why would you get out? Right. <laughs> so Bill and John, basically, John follows the caravan and they basically get two trucks and two cattle trailers. That's what David Tribodeau calls it. They put canvas over it. They put these guys in there and they roll up. And David Koresh has had, I don't know, at least an hour at this Mm -hmm. point, if not more, to kind of prepare. So because you think about it, by the time that David Jones gets back there, tells Koresh, Koresh gathers his people up. Mm -hmm. Then Robert leaves, goes and tells them they argue probably about it for five to ten minutes. And Mm -hmm. then they're like, you're going in. Load up. This has to be about an hour. Right. And so they roll up and they roll out. And Kathy Schroeder, she talks about how she remembers it was like in the morning because she was making breakfast. They had just rung the bell for breakfast. Her kids had slept in, so they weren't dressed and ready for the day. Mm -hmm. And so like she had to go and like be with her kids and whatnot. And she kind of talks about it. And then they roll up. The ATF agents get out. She calls them like, what did she call them? In their black ninja suits. <laughs> yes, in their black ninja suits. And and that, like, that's one of those moments where it's like, you're not supposed to be laughing, but it's, like, f- just kind of funny how she's describing it. But it would be so fucking terrifying if you, were like, you were waking up and you're seeing all these fucking law enforcement people with all this <laughs> shit on. I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was terrifying. And then, you know, they go up to the door. Koresh opens it. Now, here's where we hear, like, two different sides of the story. Mm-hmm. You have what Bill says that David Koresh says, which is, get off my property, and then mm-hmm. shuts the door. And then you hear David Tribodeau say that he's yelling, no, don't do this. There's mm-hmm. women and children in here. Right. But David Tribodeau also says, just a few minutes later, he was in the fucking tornado cellar the whole time. Because he was in, like, self-preservation mode. Right. Like, he bolted and was like, nope, goodbye, as soon as he caught wind of it. So it's like, so which was it? Were you there and this is you saw this happen? Or were you already gone and you're just going off what other people told you? Right. And I mean, I do, like, later on, like, and I think in one of the other episodes, they basically, like, (laughs) the ATF agents and the FBI agents are like, David Tribodeau was full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) So... Basically, 
from both sides, this had to be so fucking terrifying. Oh, for sure. I think the last time we were doing this, I thought about it from like Koresh and his like militant extremist mm-hmm. side of it, but I didn't really like put the thought into like how would a nine year old girl in this wooden fucking structure? Like, I'm really hoping they're in the fucking tornado cellar as well. Like, I'm hoping that they moved everyone down into a safe place. Yeah. Kathy talks about the fact that she's upstairs with her kids when all of this is starting. So I hope they got... Mm -hmm. I do really hope that the children got to a safe place and that they didn't see a lot of this. You hear Heather talk later in the episode, she talks about her grandfather, whose name is Perry. Because, like, Heather grew up here. Her parents had met there. She grew up there. Her grandfather was there. And, like, he gets shot in the stomach at one point. And they, like... They did like a mercy killing, essentially, instead of like, like, instead of like getting him out to a hospital, negotiating that David Koresh lets people kill him. And Kathy says it. Yeah, we finished him off. That's what she says. But we'll get there. Mm -hmm. You know, Koresh is like, he's armed everyone. They're ready. And again, David Tribodeau is the one saying like, well, we didn't shoot first. They shot first. And Bill... And John. John's a reporter and he's going to report the fucking truth because either way, it's a good fucking story. If ATF shot first, he gets to go and be like, ATF shot first. And if the Branch Davidians shoot first, that's a story too. He's so, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter. Right. He's, he's, since he's report, like, he's neutral ground. Right. He's just trying to get whatever story comes out of this situation. Exactly. And so he, you know, he even says that the Davidians shot first and because the ATF then had to like scatter to run for cover. And you would have thought that if they'd mm-hmm. shot first, they would have been in position. They would not be doing that. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And the gunfire goes on for like a couple of hours. It's not quick. It's not like 10 rounds are shot. Someone gets hurt. Mm-hmm. They call ceasefire. Yeah. They were actually calling in to into the Branch Davidian, like, talking to David Koresh. hmm One of the things that the ATF agents did is once they started getting ground, they, like, went on the roof. Now, Bill is part of this group. In fact, it's so funny. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Because he's, like, he's off, because they're showing them the footage of, like, what's happening. And he's like, I'm the guy mm-hmm. going up the ladder first on the left. And then the dude slips a little bit. And I was like, oh, don't see. He's like, oh. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> But, like, he goes up and he talks about the fact that they're up there. They're being shot through the wall. They're just trying to, like, stop people. He actually gets into the the second story, into the house. He gets shot in, like, the hip and thigh and he's down Mm -hmm. and he's bleeding. He talks about the fact that, like, he was like, fuck this. I'm getting out of this house. I don't want to die here. Because he says that it was dirty. Right. Yeah. He, he's like, I'm not dying on this dirty floor. And I was like, well, damn, Bill. You're just- <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get, oh my God. And another thing he said too, he was like, I was just like, oh my gosh, my heart. He was like, man, at that moment, the only thing I was thinking about was too bad I didn't take out more life insurance because I had two kids at home. I was like, oh. Oh, that's, that's Jim Cavanaugh. That's so scary. Oh, my bad. My bad. But yeah, that yeah. stuck in my head too. I was just like, oh my God. When he said that, I was like, well, that's a fair thought. <laughs> I mean, at least they're give. He's giving a shit about his kids, unlike Kathy, who fucking. I wrote down what she fucking. I know this is later, but I'm just gonna say it now. She said because this is like later when they're releasing the kids. She's like, it wasn't because we were trying to save them. We don't care about saving them. We didn't care about living. We were caring about living for God. And I'm like, 
okay, so you don't give a shit. Which I mean, with all the abuse and all the other shit, it's already obvious they don't right. give a shit. But I'm just like, damn, lady, you're still gonna fucking like cling to that all these years later. Are you fucking kidding me? She has doubled down. Mm-hmm. If he was, if he had, if he had lived and was like chilling in jail like that other fucking LDS guy. Yeah. I can't remember his name right now. Trash. She'd probably be fucking visiting him. Oh, for sure, Because she was one of his, literally, like, David, I'm kind of blurring this, we'll talk about it in the next episode, but, like, David Koresh, like, when he annulled all of the marriages, it wasn't because he thought, like, he should be the only one, because he did actually marry a child. Yeah, a child. He did actually marry like a, a person. 14-year-old. She was yeah. 14. He married her, had children with her, like, he had his own children with his wife, and then was like, okay, I don't think anyone should be married. In fact, I think you all should annul your marriages and I get to fuck all your wives. Here's the thing. None of you get to fuck these women. What is with cult? I mean, I guess it's a power thing, but I'm just like, what is with all these cult leaders? Because it's not only this. It was fucking, I don't know if Jim Jones did it, but obviously like Nexium, they fucking. Right. No, gross I things. I can't remember if Jim Jones did. Like, I think there was a lot of sex happening in Jonestown, but like. Yeah. It's a theme, though, where it's like, I'm gonna fuck all these women. Like, well, no. and in most of in most colds that I've seen, like, I've never seen like the annulment of marriages and be like, I'm the only one who can uh-uh. marry them. A lot of it is that it's kind of an honor for the leader mm. to fuck your wife. Yeah. Ew. And in this one, it's like, it's such an honor for your wife to be like, one of his many mistresses. And I'm just like blown away because like I'm thinking of like dudes I interact with and their needy asses and like how much mm-hmm. men are like sex driven. Like I'm not mm-hmm. trying to like say anything wrong. Like women are too. But like I can't sit there and think a lot of these men had children with these women. A lot of these men had thriving marriages. And then all of a sudden you're this woman is no longer your wife and you don't get to fuck her anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, you got a bunch of dudes not like, they love Jesus a lot. That's all I got to (laughs) say. I would have been like, as a woman, I'd be like, no. No, no, no. No, no. (laughs) I don't know how I'd react as a dude, but as a woman, I'd be like, no, I'm going to keep my husband because I picked him. Yeah. No, thank you. Hard pass. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Back to what we were saying. So anyway, they're like shooting bullets. And they have the advantage. Like the way it's described, I've never heard it described until Bill described it, which is that it's in the middle of nowhere. There's two stories. So there's not like cover for them to hide in, like in the woods or something. And the house is like elevated. It's like yes. up. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. they <laughs> they have the higher ground. <laughs> Basically, I don't know, it's fucking crazy shit. It's like a two plus hour gunfight. They're, you know, they're dealing with this and I, you know, I feel like I'm sure there's plenty of kids like who's like even obviously older kids like teens and stuff too mm-hmm. who saw it because I was just thinking about that. like Heather just sticks out to me and just like seared into my brain so much because it's like, yeah, we have these other survivors and whatever we have fucking Kathy and what's his butt, but it's like they were adults and they chose to be there. Heather was a child and defenseless and was born into it. Right. There's so many kids like that. Like, I just hope that obviously all of these children are adult, like, well, well, adults are older than us. But, you know, I just I really hope they well, unless they're babies, but you know what I mean? 
Right. I just hope they got like help and got support after that because if they were like old enough to remember whether they were up in the house or in a cellar like that's fucking scary that that's fucking scary as an adult <laughs> right and and i think one of the things that really kind of hits for me is that you're a young child and the bad guys in these big yeah. black scary suits roll up with visible guns mm-hmm. they get out of these trailers let's say you're watching it from a window and you're a child And your parent grabs you and says, they've come to take us away. Their parents are brainwashed and they're, these kids are like indoctrinated and they're just like, Kathy says it. We were like, they believe that like the law enforcement was evil and they were teaching their kids that law enforcement was evil. So Mm -hmm. basically these children thought these big, bad, evil men were coming to destroy their home. And from right. all their perspectives, this is what was happening. They weren't seeing a different reality. Like, we can look at it objectively 30 fucking years later, because it's been 30 years, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? And we can sit back and be like, well, you know, there's a lot of mistakes made on both sides. David made promises that he didn't keep. He basically promised that if they put his message out on national news or, like, on the national mm-hmm. Christian radio broadcasting, whatever, that he would mm-hmm. come in and and they did it and he didn't do it and he made mistakes. The ATF yeah. agent commander who was like, we're still going in. That is clearly a mistake. They all yeah. knew that they needed the element of surprise and they had lost it. Bill says mm-hmm. it like four times. Like we needed it to be a surprise and we had lost the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. This is a bad idea. Like, And he talks about how like when they're in the trailer, as they're like, the guy's getting ready to leave. Like he grabs the guy's hand behind him. And squeezes it. And then like later in the episode, they're talking about he's like some of those men that was the last hand they ever squeezed because four agents didn't make it out. Mm -hmm. I'm unsure of how many I can't I don't remember how many Davidians were killed in that process. I know it was it was a few. Again, they were bringing in ambulances and they offered to bring in ambulances for their people. And David turned them down. David was like fucking could die. How he didn't die, I'm still in shock. He got shot through the side, like his side, from mm-hmm. entrance, like front, out the back. And how he survived 51 fucking days, I'll never know. Fucking spite and sure will, that man. Yeah. And I also think, I honestly think that he probably had medicine somewhere and he just was like lying and not telling people. Oh, totally. Okay, so it says that... 76 Branch Davidians, including 25 children, two pregnant women, and David Koresh. That's that's the last day. The, yeah. Like, day one. Oh, day, day one? I think yeah. it was, like, four and six is what I think I read. Anyway, so back on track of the story. They're yeah. pinned down. You know, Bill's like, I'm not fucking dying on this dirty-ass floor. They get up. Yeah. He get, he literally like climbs back out the window, tries to get down. He's shot. He's injured. He falls down, breaks ribs because he falls on top of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the agents that was killed was someone that was like really close to him and it was like 25. Like, so, you know, he was a young agent. Five. Five civilians. Yeah. Okay. So that was pretty evenly matched that day. Mm. Technically, mm-hmm. can we really count Perry as like. Well, I was going to say, besides him, there was apparently another one. So two were... Were mercy killed, as they're calling mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. 
as or as Kathy put it, removed from this earth. I was like, oh my god, you fucking psycho woman! It's like I swear to God, it's like the fucking little fangirls for serial killers. I mean, literally, they were like, she literally said Perry didn't die from his gunshot wound. Perry died so he couldn't suffer anymore. He was removed removed from the earth. We finished him. Mm-hmm. I will never yeah. forget that as far as... I, because you know what makes me think? Kathy fucking pulled that trigger. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Kathy. Like, the fact that Kathy is like... No, she is gives like, me bad vibes. She's a, an adult who consented to this shit. And sorry, David Tribodeau, who consented to this shit, and others who consented to this shit, who are out living their lives. Fuck that noise. Mm-hmm. Child endangerment up the yin-yang. You're responsible for deaths. Yeah. They don't care, because... Because it's for the greater good. That's what their thought is. What's the greater good of everyone dying? I mean, I get it because Koresh had told everyone that as soon as he died, they were going to go up to heaven and then he he was going to come back with God's army and like lead the march. Mm-hmm. But Kathy, this has not happened yet. Yeah. Like knock on wood, <laughs> that doesn't quote unquote <laughs> happen between now and the time this episode airs. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Like, how fucked up would it be if this turned out to be true? And I'm like, oh, I gotta fucking eat my words. <laughs> and everyone right now just clinched their asshole because they're like, oh, Jessica <laughs> predicted COVID. Like, stop, Jessica. <laughs> okay, well, if it makes you guys feel any, obviously, like, you can hang out the anniversary that. already passed. So it's like, I think we're okay. I think we're in the clear. <laughs> it's true. But, you know. Yeah. According to the, in, and I'm going to quote with scripture, according to the Bible, like God knows no time, like time is meaningless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A second could have been a long time, <laughs> which is how I used to like uh, argue evolution in a Christian church mm. <laughs> when people would be like, well, God created the earth in seven days. And I was like, or could it have been seven million? Because he doesn't have a concept of time. So they're like, basically, they're pinned down, right? And I'm looking for the guy. I think his name may have been Larry. Oh, L- Larry Lynch, right? Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. a lieutenant at that time with the county sheriff's department. And this is what is interesting to me. Larry's talking to him on the phone and he gets crashed on the phone. And he goes, you know, Larry asks, who's this? And he goes, David Crash. And he goes, and David goes, well, who's this? And he goes, Lynch. And he goes, mm-hmm. Lynch, huh? And like, kind of starts joking. He's like, "That's a weird name, sir." There are people dying and bullets being shot around you, and you're making fucking jokes with the negotiator about his name because he's psycho. <laughs> In that moment, I was like, "The dude is so like." You kind of hope he that- thinks he's God. He's right. not even scared. That's true. He's like, "I'm gonna die and come back." Boom! Like, I ain't scared. Yeah. Oh my god. Freaking nut. So anyway, Larry builds this rapport with him, right? And he really, like, he gets there and he actually negotiates a ceasefire, which in my mind was, like, crazy. And they're basically like, you have to let us, we have to cease fire. You, need, you guys need medical care. Our guys need medical care. We're going to stop shooting. You guys have to stop shooting. David says, let me get that orchestrated because there's this one guy by the name of, like, Kenny King, and he's an ATF agent. He's a retired Marine. Mm-hmm. You know those people, you know those guys who like are 20 year Marines and then they're like, oh, I got nothing else to do. I'm going to go also be this. 
Yeah. That's what he did. Like, he was well-trained. He had been shot, and basically he was like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to lay here and die. But basically, you know, they get a ceasefire. Bill is pretty fucking, like, banged up. He's got a bullet, like, basically shattered his nose, kind of. Like, because it hit, like, the bridge of his nose. grazed him. Yeah. Ooh. He's been shot in the hip and the leg and the thigh part of his leg. He broke his ribs when he fell on the go-karts that they had. He's fucked up. There's so many people, mm-hmm. and they don't have the ability to just, like, pack everybody up in the trailers and get them out. Right. They're trying to get them out. In fact, Bill is so fucked up. Like, they throw people in the back of this and John's truck. There's, like, two mm-hmm. dudes in the truck, mm-hmm. and then they were like, where are we going to put Bill? And they're like, oh, I got it. We'll just put Bill on the fucking hood of the truck like he's some fucking deer that's been killed and hold him there. Right. And then, like, the oh most crushing picture is, like, a dude holding Bill, right? And he's, like, kissing Bill's mm-hmm. head, which I don't think he was kissing Bill's head. I think he was, like, talking to him, but it doesn't look yeah. like he was, like, kissing Bill. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, to think about, like, the- these ATF agents who were following orders and they knew, like, they knew going into it, they might not walk out of it. Right. And I kind of got the sense that, like, they kind of were pretty confident. Like, they knew the situation. Like, they knew that they probably had so many raids where they're like, oh, this is no brainer. Mm-hmm. I also think that's funny that John said, hey, I'm just going to go do a quick rep- They're going to do a raid. I'll probably get an interview <laughs> with a couple of ATF agents. I'd be home and then go for- home for lunch. I'd be home for a late lunch. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Or no, Aww. no, John, you ain't going anywhere. No. So the ceasefire happens. They get ambulances. They get people treated. Dan Malloy has been literally, or Maloney has literally been filming this whole thing. And the ATF agents were not happy about it. Mm-mm. So we saw that footage. <laughs> and it's interesting because, like, I guess John was like, they roughed him up. And I was like, I watched the footage. I was like, where? Nobody touched no, him. No, they were just, like, being stern with him. Well, right. They were like. Not, they're doing their job. <laughs> right. Because my thought is. What if this dude just, like, walked out of the Branch Davidian compound dressed as a reporter and was Mm -hmm. walking out and was going to, like, go up to all the agents that were there? He's not going to get all of them, but he might get some of them. Like, they're trained to think, like, I have to not, I have to react. Yeah. Like, detonate a grenade, bomb, like, you know what I mean? They could have had anything, you know? Exactly. On this side, David is, like, you know, they're trying to get together, like, get people to see who's hurt, who's not hurt. They're trying to assess this. Larry is still talking to David. By the way, Larry makes a mistake, according to uh, other people. Basically, he tells David, I'll be be with you through this. David apparently doesn't think that Larry should sleep, ever. Because apparently David <laughs> doesn't sleep. I mean. Right? Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> he up all the time. Yeah, he's fucking nuts. They get it on the air. It goes national. Like, Connie Chung is reporting on this, like, Mm -hmm. nationally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is kind of, like, this story, obviously, like, if you've listened to us or if you've listened to some backstories, Waco inspired Timothy McVeigh, which happened two years later. Mm -hmm. And this event has lasting effects in in American history. Oh, for sure. And... It's because it's on the news. Mm-hmm. We're witnessing a shootout of Christian fundamentalists who are armed to the fucking T fighting the American government. 
And then we're getting sound bites from David Crash. And like, this is what's interesting is there's a woman that's on this documentary. Her name is Lynn Hancock, and she was a reporter with the Dallas Morning News. And so she covered all of this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when they ask, because Larry asks David, like, what, the, what do you want? And he's like, I want my message to go out on the radio. I want it out. I'm going to record something and I'm going to send it to you or I'm going to write something and get it sent to you. They were like, I want to be on the media. And she's like, immediately. Like, most cult people mm-hmm. don't do that. They wait. Right. They freeze out mm-hmm. the media. They don't want the attention. David was like, all eyes on me. Right. All eyes mm-hmm. on me. And this kind of started a pattern, which was really great for the negotiators because, because of the fact that David liked to talk. Mm-hmm. He talked to them. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we kind of like, we get most of the major players introduced. Yes. Chris Whitecomb, he is a FBI hostage rescue team sniper. He basically was mm-hmm. on that farmhouse that was like a half mile away, posted up on the roof. He'll be throughout the whole series and he'll talk about like what it was like to watch what was happening, what was going right. on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we get introduced to Gary Nosner. He was the actual like negotiating, like he was the negotiation unit chief. Like he came in from DC. Right. Like, they flew in the best of the fucking best for this. And like Chris talks about mm-hmm. when his team like is deployed for something, mm-hmm. they're like, they know it's fucking like it's going to be fucked up and shit. Yeah. And it's going to be horrible. Yeah. And so like <laughs> I can imagine like Ruby Ridge had just happened a few like a couple years earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking like, fuck. And the fact that, like, they find out that these four dudes that are ATF agents have been killed and they're angry about that because they're like, our brothers in arms have been hurt. It's kind of like this crazy scenario. Yeah. Like, the end of this episode, you kind of get the sense that, like, they're getting what they want. Like, David's getting what he wants. He makes a Mm -hmm. promise to people. If you tell my message, I will let two kids out at a time. And he does. And this is like where Tara's thing earlier that we're talking about, that like Scott and Chrissy, which are Kathy's children, they put them in a car and they drive them out and they drop them off. Like they get these kids, they come out, the FBI mm-hmm. takes them away. They come to the negotiation hostage center. They're like, put them on the phone. And you just hear like Kathy talk about, she's on the phone with her, her child. I'm not a mom, you're a mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can completely understand what it would be like. I had a child and it was taken from me in this situation. And then I'm on the phone with them. You would think that there'd be so much relief in that person's mm-hmm. voice. And Kathy, no, fucking none. cold, cold hearted bitch, like nothing. She's like, hi, yeah. Scott. How are you? I'm hungry. The kids are like, I don't know what's happening, which is great. Like super great that the yeah. kids are fucking clueless with what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I love you. You know, she talks about God a little bit and she goes, I love you. And, you know, Scott's like, I love you, too. And she goes, and David loves you, too. The fucking sick. Yeah, I know. Oh, the biggest ick ever. I was like, did you just fucking like your kids were just hostage negotiated from you? Right. And your uh, abuser loves you, too. Kiss, kiss. Like, (laughs) that's the fucking thing that like, this is like the thought that went into my head. That's the last thing she could have said to Scott. Ever. Mm-hmm. We know Kathy gets out. The bitch, like, gets manipulated. Thank God. Like, thank God the negotiators were, like, <laughs> smart enough to be, like, mm-hmm. let me know how to push a button. Right. It's just crazy because I think that was one of the things, like, we hadn't heard previously. 
because you if you haven't watched it, you you hear the actual recording of this. Jessica's not exaggerating at all. This lady's just like, oh, I'm talking to him like he's at fucking Susie's house. It's fine. Like, like I'm going to see you tomorrow. Jesus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like almost like you're talking, yeah, like you're talking to your kid, like checking up if they made it to like an after school party, like a mm-hmm. sleepover, and they mm-hmm. made it safely off the bus to this friend's house. That's kind of what this reminds me of is like calling your parent to be like, I made it. 100%. But I think like the negotiation team does a really fucking good job. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And the episode kind of like winds down where they're like trying to establish this communication and get things out and they're getting kids out, but they're not getting them out fast enough. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close this episode. There are two more. So there will be stabbies in the month of April and we will be talking about this. It's Mm -hmm. kind of fitting because it was like 30 years, two days ago in real time for us. Or no, what's today? No, it's April 19th. Oh, okay. Super close, though. It it was happening. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, so. 30 years ago. And it's just crazy, because, like, I, I was young when this was happening. I was seven. And I remember my parents talking about it. Yeah, I was a baby. That's crazy. And whatnot. And I, I remember being, like, I didn't quite understand. And because I was raised mm-hmm. in a religious household, I didn't understand. And... I'm going to definitely rant at some mm-hmm. point. Like one of the things I didn't say that I should have said in this episode because I have a note of it is Kathy does say that like her thing is she just wants to be able to serve God the way that she wants. And that's protected. And yes, it's protected under their constitutional right for you to be able to serve God the way that you want to. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> you cannot stockpile 1.6 million pieces of ammunition and get away with it. Like that's not a thing. Like, yeah. This conversation isn't about religion. It is about religious fanatics because it's about David Koresh and his ability to manipulate people. But it is not mm-hmm. about religion. It is not about are these people like is serving God wrong? It's not what this conversation is about. No, it's about the fucking stockpiles of shit you had that you could have fucking had a domestic terrorist they situation were. going on. They were being investigated yeah. because they were considered domestic terrorists. Mm hmm. Yes, come at me with your Second Amendment things. That's not what this is about. People, I believe, like, I've said this on the show, responsible gun ownership, totally fine. Mm -hmm. 1.6 million rounds of ammunition is not responsible gun ownership. Yeah. Teaching small children to use guns, not because you're teaching them to hunt. Like, as I grew up in a culture where kids learn to hunt early. My nephew learned to hunt early. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. Right. But you're, they're not being taught to, like, go out and have survival skills to, like, live off the land. Like, kind of Ruby Ridge did. Like, Ruby Ridge, yeah. they knew how to use guns. Well, they were on militia, too. But, like, they knew how to use guns primarily because, mm-hmm. like, they hunted. Right. These people, like, went to the fucking grocery store. Yeah. No, this was about, like, we're training you for the apocalypse and you're our little army. Like... <laughs> Which that's is, what it fucking was. No matter what you how you want to cut that, that's child abuse. Yeah. Super duper. Eesh. All bad. All We're bad. gonna leave it on this hot note. <laughs> yeah. So with that, we will see you back here on Monday for another episode. And next week we'll be back with another another one of these. One of these. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye guys. <laughs>